Welcome to Bevington Banter, the show where we can sound like we're arguing, even when we all agree. I'm Cassidy, and together with my brother Cade and dad Randy, each week we discuss a selection of news stories, topics surrounding the culture, and matters of freedom and faith. Thanks for listening. Follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Share it. And if you like what you're hearing, rate it five stars on Apple. Where do you want to begin? Well, I'd like to touch a quickly on uh, a story that came out this week, it was an event that happened, and that was... You know, we all love the Babylon Bee. Uh, it's funny and um, it kind of cuts through all the nonsense at, to the hard issues that are going on. They're great at, at satirizing, uh, you know, cultural events and current events and politics. Um, sometimes so much so that you're not, you know, it's people <laughs> mistake it and think it's real because our world has gotten so crazy. But one of the main uh, people there, contributors, um, was a gentleman named uh, Ethan Nicole, and he was fired i guess you're gonna to have to say uh this past week or maybe shortly maybe it's been a little over a week anyways um it sounded like a lot of it came out from the elon musk um interview that they did it was a pretty big get for them to get uh elon musk to come on and, and interview but they in order to do that they completely changed their format and seth dylan uh one of the the bosses part owners or whatever he is um decided he wanted to be a part of it because man, this is cool. This is Elon Musk. I definitely want to be in on this. It, it, it ruined the interview. It was not anything like the interviews normally are. It didn't follow the same format. He dominated, and he's not the talent. I mean, the talent is um, you know Ethan Nicole and and Kyle Mann, and so it just totally ruined it, and uh, it caused a lot of problems with then getting it produced and uploaded. And, and you know, I won't go into all the details then of what they said of why he he got um, you know fired, but that i just thought that was seth dylan was the problem with that interview yeah and you know ethan later made it sound well it seemed a lot like seth dylan is very much a tech guy and not entertainment like as far as running an entertainment more um and so that's probably why he was so interested in being in there but i thought man getting rid of ethan nicole though even if it was some petty like contract agreement type stuff um which is where he didn't necessarily understand ethan's desire to have creative license like control for intellectual property right, intellectual, it's his intellectual property. property right as far as an artist and uh, an entertainer and so if it was you know uh, something where he got that was a dumb move a really bad business move because he is pretty much solely responsible for all of the like animation videos that they've done recently all right. like a lot of graphics and i actually saw watched just a little bit ago one of their the videos they've put out since that was animals Noah should have pushed off the ark and the guy on it I did it wasn't very funny I didn't really know he was going for it and so I yeah I think it was a bad one thing I can definitely move. one thing I can definitely agree on is that it just um I can't really speak too much on this topic because the Elon Musk interview was so bad I did not watch it I watched <laughs> like five minutes of it and I could not watch it anymore. So that's why I'm unfamiliar with it because dad is right. Um, Seth Dillon was ruined everything. Yeah. Yeah. I watched almost all of it and I couldn't. Um, it, it was hard to watch. Seth Dillon was definitely the, the, the wrench in the gear. Um, although Elon Musk is uh, not a, not a great not interview. Your typical guest. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, it still just wasn't good. So we'll see what that means for, and where Ethan ends up. He's had offers at multiple places. So. I'll be interested to see what he does now because I, I heard did like you his hear stuff about a louder with Crowder off that. Yeah. I'm not sure when that was, but they mentioned that and he does another podcast 
um, with a guy with another artist and guy that makes comic books and video games um, named Doug Tenaple. And the uh, podcast is Audio Mullet. And that's where they mentioned something about an offer from Crowder at one point. Yeah, I, I unfortunately, towards the end of the Audio Mullet um, podcast that was released like on January 3rd or 4th, something um, was the first time they released a podcast as April 11th uh, of 2021. Um, I was so excited to see it back, but it sounded like they don't know if they're going to continue to do these. No, it's just, it was just kind of kind a of information. Yeah. And, and I, I was really sad at that because Audio Mullet is like is my second favorite podcast <laughs> only behind Bevington Banter. That's right. <laughs> I, I love Audio Mullet. Yeah, no, it's it's good. I love their theme song. <laughs> audio Mullet, back. a I mullet mean, of it, audio smashing you in the yeah. face. Yes. It's not overly current events. So for anybody yeah, listening, you could go back even and though listen. it's been a while, you can go back and listen. It's good. Yeah, there's a lot of funny stuff. Well, another kind of media outlet that we really all really enjoy is the daily wire and specifically we're pretty big fans of andrew clavin and now don't don't take that to mean that we agree with everything he says i still i still really like andrew clavin i think he's brilliant and very insightful it doesn't mean that i agree with everything that he ever says or all of his analysis and one of one of those things is about his son spencer clavin who's also a kind of a well-known figure in the right intellectual sphere, Spencer Clavin. And he is a, he's openly gay and um, they're not married, right? Engaged now to uh, a man, Josh from Legal, they call him at the Daily Wire. So he must work there. I don't know. He had him on the show recently. And one of the things he talked about was how he's kind of come to terms with his faith and his Christian or his Christianity and his homosexuality. But there was another thing that you wanted to discuss dad as well from that interview. Well, he he set this up by talking about how he had done a lot of study, you know, to try to understand because it wasn't something where he felt his homosexuality was something that had always been there. And, you know, he just always had known it. So he looks at this and said, OK, uh, this isn't something I'm choosing. It's not because because of some, you know, some abuse in my life. It's not I have no other mental, emotional issues. It's never been that way. Uh so why have I always had this natural inclination? I have to re- I have to resolve this within understanding Scripture, um, because I believe this is who I am. It's not any other external factors. This is who I am created to be. So he said he spent a lot of time, you know, studying uh, the Bible to understand these things, and he did it by um, doing a, what we would call in seminary textual criticism. Um, and he used uh, Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so he discussed that uh, the central event of that of that day was there. Um, the people that were gathered there uh, as the Holy Spirit was poured out, that they spoke in other tongues. And these tongues were actually uh, not, um, known languages, but um, it would gave the people were speaking and the people is more uh, is almost more of a miracle of hearing than it is of speaking because um, if one person said something and there were people there that spoke diff- ten different people and they each spoke a different language they would they would all simultaneously hear that one sentence in their own language does that make sense did I make that clear yes okay so 
he's using all this to describe and so he 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 tries to break this you know he starts breaking this down and, and dissecting it and he brings cultural which certainly is okay in in language and all that into it but and he, he makes the point that um the this is an interpretation you've got multiple layers of interpretation here you've got the bible that we're reading english is an interpretation from the original language that the people that were speaking um greek it's the bible new testament is written in greek primarily um but the people there did not speak Greek. They were Hebrews and there were people, you know, it says there were God-fearing Jews from all nations. So they would have all spoke Hebrew, even if they were from other nations. At that time, trust me, if they were God-fearing Jews, they spoke Hebrew. I thought they spoke so, Aramaic. They, Jesus spoke they, Aramaic, they, right? He did, but the, and they probably did that too. I mean, this isn't like where we're, you know, some hicks like, uh, like me living in Ohio that only <laughs> speaks English. Um, but believe, I mean, even to this day, uh, Ben Shapiro's kids be willing to bet are learning Hebrew because if you're a Jew, that's what you well, know. At least a son. Jew, that's what you do. Yes. So anyway, because they, they go to Hebrew school and they learn Hebrew. So anyways, uh, he's saying there's multiple layers here. You've got the Bible in English that was translated from Greek, but the people didn't speak Greek. And then you have this tongues issue uh, thrown in. And so you have all these layers. And so he's trying to, you know, use this to say it doesn't really maybe literally mean what it says because there's problems with interpretation. Here's the central point I want to get to. The Bible, he doesn't interpret the Bible. I don't interpret the Bible. The translators of the Bible don't interpret the Bible. Scripture interprets Scripture. And I'll even use the passage that he uses from uh, to, to make his point. We know what was going on that day because the bible tells us what was going on that day luke who records in the book of luke the gospel of luke he says i'm writing this to make an orderly account i want you to know you know in a very detailed and orderly way what happened in the life and ministry of jesus and the book of acts if you read it is just a continuation of the book of luke it picks up right where it left off again luke and luke is the author of the book of acts so luke records peter's words that day and peter tells us what you're hearing what you're experiencing was prophesied by the prophet joel this is what joel prophesied and what is happening is what prop joel prophesied and if you go back and read joel's prophecy it is what's happening it is what we see happening in the church through the the holy spirit in the new testament church so we don't we don't have to interpret that we just have to let the bible say what it says um, it's not it's not that complicated. And I could give all kinds of examples of where the Bible interprets the Bible. When I'm told that I will do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or imagine according to God's power that's at work within me, the Holy Spirit that's work within me, I don't have to I, I say, well, how am I gonna how am I gonna do this exceedingly abundantly? Well, it just told me I'm gonna do it because not because of me or because I'm anything special, but as the Holy Spirit is allowed to work in and through me he's the one that does it this is the simple things where if you just read it and let it say what it says um it, it's not complicated and so by doing this it allows him to then to go to passages in scripture that deal with homosexuality and say um they don't really mean what they say well on his point or on the point that it was written originally in greek when that isn't even the language they were speaking and so it's already 
an interpretation in a way. My argument there would be, okay, but in its original writing, when it was written in Greek, that is what we say is inspired writing. Those words, those Greek words came from the Holy Spirit. So there's no well, interpretation there. Right. Not only that, they were a part of the Roman Empire and the language that common was Greek. Greek. Yeah. Right. And so they were writing to churches in various locations. So being all a part of the Roman Empire, they wrote in the common language. Right. Point A Greek, which was the which was the language, basically the common Greek. But you language can't say that there that there could have been already like interpretation error there because that's the original Holy right. Spirit inspired. And, and, and that's text. what I want to another point I want to make. The Bible itself tells us that these people wrote, prophesied, uh, you know, scripture not was never uh, or, or never originated with man it was they they did it as the holy spirit carried them along this is specifically stated in scripture it's understood that this is not man now they were not robots they were not puppets they were inspired by god and, and as the bible itself says these things they wrote as the holy spirit carried them along and we have multiple places and authors who who tell us that they believe that what other people are writing, and even in Paul's case, what he's writing is inspired scripture. Jesus certainly puts his stamp of scriptural authority on the first five books of the Old Testament and in, in various other pro prophetic books as well. But those for sure, he stay, you know, he quotes the scripture. Peter says that what Paul is writing is scripture. Paul says that, and Paul wrote half the New Testament. Paul says what he's writing is scripture. And not only does he state what he's writing is scripture, that it's inspired by God, that he makes parenthetical comments. If he'll make a statement that is that he says, he'll say, this is not God, this is me. This is my view and my opinion and how I would handle it. And then he immediately transitions back to writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and writing inspired scripture. So in, in countless ways, the Bible says, no, this is the inerrant inspired word of God. It's not open to your interpretation. We've got all kinds of textual evidence, certainly going back, the biggest one, the Dead Sea Scrolls. You go back and, and look at what they found, and it's what well, the translations that we're reading today are almost word for word the same. There has not been corruption that has come in over the centuries. And so there, if you really study, I mean, he... I, I, I think Andrew, I mean, I think um, Spencer Clavin is brilliant, obviously much, much smarter than I am, but I also think that he started with a bias and he wanted to find something yes. and he uses a mechanism, he uses a mechanism and in this to do it. Case, maybe he's too smart for his own good. It says. In this exactly. case, because he's finding a way to, and so this is your problem with him going, taking these passages and going back to the original saying well this more literally translates to man betters but it's really more about pedophilia so this is your problem with that this interpretation right. yes now my issue so now i have another well point. if you go back to sodom and gomorrah that's clearly just read it it's not anything right. about pedophilia yeah but so so now on that point so this is a problem with how he squares it now i have a problem with this um also of this idea of him saying it's simply a part of he a quote he said it was simply part of my nature and at another point he says it's an immutable fact about my nature the i mean i have a problem with him calling it immutable and and it was just, and he calls it rather than a harmful thing a source of joy but i thought okay yeah it is a part of your nature 
your human nature, which is fallen and corrupt. Honestly, I think it's incredibly prideful for him to say, to, to not be able to recognize, oh, it, it didn't come from abuse or it didn't come from whatever. It was simply a part of my nature. And to say then that he, so, okay. So the way that you're na naturally made is 100% great and in accordance with God's plan and purpose. Like that's, that's prideful not to right. acknowledge your right. fallenness and your right. corrupt nature. It's in my nature to be a sinful in my mother's jerk. womb. Right. It's in right. my nature right. to be a selfish jerk. The fact of the matter. And then Andrew also references this list from first Corinthians six, nine through 11, where, um, where the homosexuality is one of those things in the list. And it says they won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. And he says that he's like, well, I'm all, all but two of those things on the list, but this difference being that we all could say that we've done these things. Cause that's our nature, right. but he doesn't, we not to, he doesn't accept and live in those behaviors um, right. and no, just make them him. And, right. And, and our nature is not, immutable because with God, all things are possible. Second Corinthians five seventeen is says, if anyone's in Christ, you're a new creation, the old right. that human nature has passed away and the new has come. And there's other verses. Colossians three talks about putting to death. What's earthly in you, the sexual uh, immorality and putting away the old self and putting on a new self, which is re right. um, being renewed after the image of its creator. Ephesians four talks about no longer walking uh, in as the Gentiles do, which means the unsaved and the sensuality and those practices, putting off the old self, but instead putting on a new self after the likeness of God. And so there's all these verses that talk about this. Right. And I, I am, would agree with Andrew Clavin and that I'm guilty of all of those except you know two. The difference, what I'm saying though, is I am repentant of that. Right. And I am yeah. not making those a normal practice in my life. It doesn't mean I never fall into the, you know, the the trap of having a bad attitude or 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 saying something negative against somebody else or having a bit of a jealousy or something like that. But that's not I, I don't practice that. That's not my lifestyle. Right. I've not accepted that as a part of my immutable behavior. And when I do identify it, I repent of it. And I am, as you said, a new creation in Christ. Those sins that I make of it, those areas of disobedience are not, uh, they do not accrue to my account. God is not checking up and adding up the sins in my life because my life is, I'm born again and my, and it's under the blood and it's not accruing to my account. And you make a great point. And this was the other part of this. I really, really wanted to get to, I, this was an area I did more preparation in teaching on than any other area. And I, I called it, does God make homosexuals when I taught on this? And the answer is yes and no. He makes that person, but he didn't make them to be that. As you said, we are, we are, the Bible tells us, I think in Psalm 51, five says we are sinful in our mother's womb. Um, before we've ever done anything or had a thought, we are sinful because we're the product of sinful, of fallen seed ever since Adam. So he makes us, but he didn't make us to be that. Um, no different than he made, he didn't make a person to be homosexual any different than he made me to be an ultimately aggressive heterosexual. And, and this is the way that I understand this is that, like you said, if my, what I am and what I was when I was born and what I was all growing up into young adulthood was a very, uh, very aggressive heterosexual, uh, my natural, if I just wanted to go with what I would say is what he's quote classifying his as his immutable nature is I am a partying skirt chaser. Um, but what I did is I took those passions, those, 
those, you know, those desires, that aggressiveness that was in me, and I surrendered them to the use of God to be passionate about seeing his kingdom advance, to do his work, to preach his truth from his word. So it's still a part of my nature, that, that passion, that aggressiveness, um, but I've surrendered it to his use. I believe there are people that probably are maybe more, um, if there are men who are effeminate, I'd say, okay, God gave you a, 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 um, a nurturing, caring, gentle nature, but he didn't give it to you for that purpose. You need to take that and you need to surrender it to the obedience of his word, the authority of what he has communicated to us in scripture. That's how you reconcile that. I don't hold any ill will. I don't hate homosexuals. Uh, their sin is no different than my sin. Um, the question of anybody's sin is, are we repentant? There's only one sin the Bible tells us that you know is the unforgivable sin. And that is rejection of the Holy Spirit. So, and I mean, and the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of our sin so that we can repent and be saved. So yeah, if you reject that, then it's going to be hard to be saved. It's not any worse than any others. Um, and it's not unforgivable. And I don't dislike or hate anyone who has those inclinations any more than anybody else. In fact, the few people that I know that I interact with professionally that I am fairly confident are, are in fact gay i think they're amazingly smart people i love talking to to them enjoy their company um it's just that they haven't taken that area of their life and surrendered it to god and and just surrendering it doesn't necessarily mean that it's always going to be you know that you're going to be necessarily delivered of those desires this side of heaven some people do find themselves changed in that way, but some people struggle with it, um, for their entire earthly life, but they know they, without giving in, they, you know, they, they don't act upon it and they ask, they ask to be delivered of those, but the same way that we struggle with other sins. Um, I, you know, I constantly have to check myself for being, you know, wanting to just go hole up and be alone and not, care about anyone else in the world right you're exactly right i know people who have been delivered from things immediately when they got saved um for me profanity went away immediately when i got saved however my desire i loved i loved getting high i loved smoking pot um that took i don't know two three years for me to get really past that i'm still i'm still extremely heterosexual um <laughs> but um you know but I'm using it within the context of that God says it, it can be expressed. Well, someone else who likes to smoke joints, but also works on the topic of this quote unquote gay Christians, Cade and I, and you also are a fan dad, but Cade and I really grew up loving the band Reliant K and they're a Christian band, but they, did a lot of songs that weren't necessarily overtly um, Christian. And so they were listened to, like I knew people that were fans of Reliant K and they didn't realize like, you know, they're, they just thought they were like really romantic. It was like, you know, they're singing about God. Right. Uh, and so they just, they recently, they had been talking about a new upcoming tour. And yesterday, I believe it was, they announced the opener for their tour. And it's someone that I'd never heard of. Cade, uh, pointed me towards the post that they announced it on her stage name is similar. And right away, I'm like, 
okay, I'm like red flag that it's a, a masculine appearing woman with hair, like short, you know, butch cut hair. And um, so I look into, I'm looking at the Instagram page and I see a photo with, you know, rainbow flags and all this stuff. So we start looking into it more. And this is someone who grew up a pastor's kid. And then at some point it, it appears in high school came out, lost friends, went through some kind of pain from the church. I don't know what the reaction was from her her pastor father or church, but she makes it sound like it was, you know, hateful. And, uh, and so she left the church and then at some point had a, what she would say, like a God found her, but she, but was able to apparently square her homosexuality. She's married to a woman. And so we started like, and we, I was so disappointed in Reliant K. Yeah. I looked through like her whole uh, Instagram profile and, um, there was stuff of her smoking joints on there is why I said that. And like she drinks and smokes, but she's a Christian. And Kate said she had this tour that she was calling Praise and Rage. Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't even understand that. Like I saw the picture of whatever event she was doing. It was in Los Angeles, of course. And it was called Praise and Rage. And one of the women singing with her was flipping off the audience. Yeah, and praise. Yeah, it, it was It was weird. And, and it's just really weird to see... Um, like the guitar player from Reliant K's wife was getting in the comments and um, like uh, cussing at people who said that this was wrong. And, you know, we don't obviously hate them, but we, we also can't, we, we can't elevate that. I mean, there's we a can't difference condone between... and say that's acceptable Christian God like behavior. Yeah, or, or putting it on stage. Yeah. I mean, in front of Reliant K, not to mention there's, there is um, like expletives in her songs. How are you going to, you know, maintain any kind of family friendly? I mean, Reliant K by themselves is incredibly family friendly. All of a sudden you've completely sacrificed your long time fans for becoming secular i guess i mean it's it's the whole thing that dad's sermon a while ago being you know being friends with the world it says that the world you know the world will hate you 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 don't need to change what you believe to be accepted and i feel like that's what they're doing one thing that really cut deep i saw that somebody put in the comments and, and there wasn't enough of it was a was a lyric specifically from one of reliant k's songs um called what have you been doing lately and it says, pardon me while I throw up. I guess some people never grow up. What happened to the salvation you claim? It breaks my heart to see how much you've changed. And it was just talking about seeing their friends again after they had left high school and what had become of them and that they, you know, they turned into party animals and that one and the girl that they talk about in the second verse had like a distorted perception of reality and they didn't, you know, know what was wrong with her. So they say, you know, what, what happened to you? And I feel like it can just be really turned around and, and, and thrown back at them. Right. So her EP, uh, the one called Late Bloomer, rose for a while to number one on the Christian music charts. How? And so she has made these statements. I've saw some of these statements on her uh, Instagram of saying things like, wow, I never thought, you know, from the pastor's kid, or like to falling, to leaving my, renouncing my faith, 
I never imagined I'd be singing about Jesus, right? Or singing Christian music, whatever. And I'm thinking if as Christians and we're, she's, she thinks she's using her platform to encourage, like build up and, you know, as a, as a platform to pronounce Jesus. But if we're doing that, it should be obviously God glorifying things and it should look like Christ. And how in the world does that, is that God glorifying? Does that look like Christ when you're up there? She renounced her faith and, and she, but then she came back to a, right. to a different faith, a different, faith. A different Jesus. Yes. Specifically, yeah. not well, she not says Jesus it, from Jesus Texas. from Texas, which I'm guessing is where she grew up. And it's probably this very like conservative, this idea of like, I don't know. Yeah. She, she rejects the idea of Jesus from Texas. And basically the, the chorus of that this was like song, her first song. Yeah. Yeah, is, oh, what a terrible honor it's been to learn that my blessings are things you call sins. Who? Who calls sins? If she's talking to me, I don't call them sins. I I accept that those are things that are sins, but I didn't classify that as sin. That is something that we that we get from the Bible. So either she's mistakenly calling people like me out for classifying them as sins, or she's challenging jesus she's challenging god in her christian songs and it says i'll spend the rest of my life down the jesus from texas you put in a crown she also says that well when she left her faith one of the lyrics says and these days i believe in bigfoot more than god because who's he hurting like so she's saying like this god this jesus from texas is hurtful because he says that homosexuality is a sin but he says that about all kinds of behaviors that so many of us do. Well, look at this. Jesus can't have a crown because that would mean he's king. And that means I'm his subject. So he can't have a crown, even though the Bible refers to him as king of kings and lord of lords. You're saying they um, don't want to be subject to anyone? No, they don't want to be subject. Yeah, they look, want to be their own gods. Her, exactly. her, what she said, her blessing that someone would call a sin is I'm blessed that I can get high and I don't feel any guilt about it. I think that it's I can awesome. be it's with my really wife. Fun. Right. You know, but yet the Bible tells us don't be intoxicated, you know, with wine. Well, I think you can easily take that and carry it over into don't be intoxicated. So whatever form that intoxication takes, you know, again, it's not, it's not the end all be all. It's not the worst sin in the world. It's not unforgivable, but you don't take what God says, you know, and you got to understand this sins are not God saying, I don't want you to do this because you might have fun. And I don't want you to have fun. Sins are saying, you know, these things, as I've designed you as human beings, they're not, these the things are not helpful for you. They're not no. beneficial for you. They're not going to get the, they're not going to bring out the best in your life. You might think it's they like are me telling choices you, of joy, but they will not bring you joy. Right. True Look, joy. Man, if you and Cade, when you were kids, decided to go take ground balls to each other in, on Lincoln Highway, it's great as opposed to on the grass because it's nice and smooth and you get consistent hops, you know. And nothing the ball would also come you. a lot faster. But, but at the same time, you don't do it in the middle of Lincoln Highway because that's going to end up badly at some point. Uh, that's the street that we lived on, and it was so, so, largely yeah, so I trafficked. Would tell you, so I would tell highway you, for don't a reason. play in the middle of the street. I'm not telling you that because I don't want to, I want you to take right. bad hops into the, into the mouth. I'm telling you that because there's, you know, cars and trucks zooming up and down it. 
No, I didn't take bad hops to the mouth. I took a line drive to the eye, right, Cade? In the backyard on Citrus Lane. Yeah, because you were pitching the ball way too way close. too close. <laughs> way too close. And it just I was just hitting full speed with a like an aluminum bag. What did we know? Um yeah, no, I it was it you was not the distance we from definitely the learned to, something. The, to plate. <laughs> yeah, that, I hit I was only but, like 15 feet away from you. But but that's the, the thing is is that so you come back to the Jesus that says God loves everybody. If you just love, 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 that means you're Christian. But yes, but your idea of love is wrong. Right. Is your, my is your idea own of love definition, is, not God's my definition idea is, of love. Right. My idea of love is don't play in the middle of the street because you're going to get hurt. I tell you that not because I don't want you to take nice, smooth ground balls. I tell you that because I don't want you to get hurt. I love you, and I don't want you to get run over by a semi headed to the truck stop down the road. Well, and their, but their idea of love to, in culture these days is this complete acceptance tolerance of everything right but there uh, if, i just read in the john stott who wrote authentic christianity talks about okay let's say three kinds of tolerance right legal tolerance which says and they're talking about religious freedom in general in this case so legal tolerance which ensures that every minority's religious and political practice are adequately adequately protecting the law that's obviously right there's a social tolerance, which encourages respect for all persons, whatever views they may hold, and seek to understand and appreciate their position. That's also good to just be respectful of people. But in intellectual tolerance, that to cultivate a mind, he says, to cultivate a mind so broad that it can tolerate every opinion without ever detecting anything in it to reject is not a virtue. It's the vice of the feeble-minded. It can denigrate into an unprincipled confusion of truth with error and goodness with evil. Christians who believe that truth and goodness have been revealed in Christ cannot possibly come to terms with it. So they want this intellectual tolerance, as he calls it, that all opinions well, are valid and accepted. I think I think that's why- uh, That's Spencer their idea Clavin, of love, but that's not that's, God's right, definition why he, of love. Right, but it's why he uses the word purposely i believe immutable it's an immutable right. characteristic therefore the only loving thing if i can't do anything about this the only loving thing to do is to, to you have to accept it either that then you're not a good person because you're holding me accountable for something i have no control over well i can say the same thing again about my uh, ultra heterosexuality um, but it's, I'm not going to, I don't think that uh, your mother would call it a blessing if I had six women on this, on this string that I was playing along, um, might be a blessing to me. It wouldn't be a blessing to our family and it wouldn't be a blessing to her in, in the long run. And obviously if that ultimately go well, not it doesn't, a blessing go, it doesn't for you. go well for me, exactly. Right. That's one thing you learn. It's very when you grow. immediate gratification, right? When you, when you mature at some point, you realize that I could have the most sensuous, beautiful woman in the world in front of me, offering herself to me, and I no strings attached, and I'd say no, thank you, because I understand that the downside of that that time of of, of pleasure is infinitely greater than those moments of pleasure, and so no thanks. Um, you know, along these lines, though, it's where we've gotten into the church, in where everything is, you know, again, if you can just say it's love, but the 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 so much of the uh, large i don't want to say contemporary churches now in this country have completely they've they've i don't know if they've surrendered if they've sold if they've intentionally aligned if they've aligned with this sjw 
you know, social justice, justice um, mindset. Um, they've been they are they've been brought into the fold to to be another layer of getting our our society to go along with these with these ideas. Um, well, it's syncretism. It's the Israelites who, when they were living in captivity, started practicing the practices of you know the the uh, religions that they were captive of. It's not. Dave or Daniel and right. Azariah, Mishael and Hananiah, who practiced, who held on to their faith in in the midst of being in this other culture. Right. I, I heard somebody um, an article um, proposing this idea with um, you know, this supposedly there's this great threat of of um, white supremacy terrorism, you know, in this country, which is laughable. Um, but anyways. Um, that there needs to be all these mechanisms in place and it needs to become a public health issue. And as they were describing this, they were, um, it was incredibly Orwellian, but anyways, they were saying, you know, the, the religious churches and religion had a part to play in this, that they need to be propagandizing people away from these, um, you know, American patriotic constitutional you know ideas that that say a a right-wing person would hold that they need they need to be incorporated as a part of the public health solution to this idea of what they what they term white supremacy and i'm just thinking well you've already got a bunch of them and the idea that they even would think that they should incorporate churches as a part of a public health campaign is just uh just separation of church and state when it benefits me yeah there uh, you go the this other thing about so a lot of christians may be getting worried and speaking up about the government like like we're persecuted in america in a way or like the church is being you know suppressed and all these things and being worried about it or put, being put through the ringer and and i think actually i was seeing about this i don't know that it's necessarily i don't know that it's so bad actually because what you said about the large a large portion of the contemporary church being so in league with them oh, like okay. they've skewed their gospel right in this message yes. and they've there it's a syncretic gospel it's not the true word and so that is the church that's well i guess they maybe won't fall because they'll get along to go on or um but God, this is God. It's God growing. What you might say, we're being attacked here more and more every as time goes on. In reality, God is growing His church now. Perhaps not in you might look and say here not in number, but certainly in maturity. Those numbers that remain are going to be so much stronger and rooted in their faith and in the real word of God um, than those that fall. Yeah, and I'll say you have to draw a line and say I'm not going to cross this. Yeah, you have to draw a line of when something like what are you going, what is okay to do when we're living in this culture and what is not, what is no longer biblical or no longer godly. And you have to draw that line and you have to draw it before, you know, you have before you're facing the decision, before it's too late right. and you've already crossed it because you need to know what is okay and not okay to you. And your line might be a little bit different than mine. I don't know, like, you know, whether it's, I'm not going to send my kid to public school ever. Uh, and maybe that's okay. Maybe you need to do that, but whatever, you know, what is your line? Draw them 
now talk about them because if you don't you'll have gone past it without even realizing but i'll leave you with this note maybe of hope in this desire that you know all these people the governments and all these things they do these things because out of this they need to be in control but then also this realization that they're not in control and whenever they have to face those moments they can't accept it and they go you know that's when they go really far and really aggressively because they have this need to be in control but that's why they also reject god because they know that if he's real then they aren't in control because he is in control so um that being said you know we've said it before america is not the eternal kingdom things are going to go wrong and it is going to be you know opposed to us as christians or whatever and eventually america's we know it will fall but the fact of the matter is in all of that no matter what happens to our country no matter what happens to the church in this country or the church worldwide god is in control and he knows what he he's wins. doing he's sovereign and the church is gonna live it's gonna survive no matter what so it, even if it's not yeah. in a building every sunday but the church goes on yeah and i want to say this too on a positive note the fact that um the left is pushing so hard for all of these things to try to get as much as they can implemented and one of them is this idea that you know they're pushing um, to federalize elections. They are desperate, desperate. They're going to do everything they can between now and now to get that done because they know that if they don't, they're going to get. They're going to get. It's going to be bad. November twenty twenty two is going to be bad unless they federalize elections. Twenty twenty November twenty twenty two is going to go bad for the Democrats. They and they know this. They know that they have. They're losing support by the truckload on a daily basis across this country. I saw what Biden's approval rate or disapproval rating is legitimately a majority now. It's it is oh it is well over fifty percent. It last it was um right on the verge, it's like forty nine, but now it's like fifty four percent disapproval. That's crazy. <laughs> and they don't want to report hey. that, so you know it's probably higher. We have hey. If you listen to him, we got what it takes. This is 2020. Come on. Yeah. Did you? Hey, he to be fair, things. I did say it was going to be 2020, like a couple podcasts ago. You did. You did. Yeah. It was to do with the school. Yeah. Well, I, I thought about that, but it's like, oh my gosh, us turned over to 2022. It, that's on the top. That's at the forefront of everybody's mind. It's 2022. So I don't give him a lot of slack on that. Anybody got anything uh, pithy to say? Have your pets Pippy. spayed and neutered? 